Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Let's read together our our verses that uh, remind us what this scripture is for, right? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong with our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what's right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. That's why we study, right? Uh, To find out the things that might need a little adjustment in our lives or maybe a big adjustment, but also to know that God is with us in the process, right? That God never asks us to do anything that is not good for us and that we're able to do with his help, right? So let's uh, open our Bibles to Judges. We're in chapter 6 again this week. And the question that I want to kind of address today is where, where is God when it hurts? When you're in that situation where you're, you're longing for a little relief, right? Maybe you're in a, a situation even right now where things are tough, uh, they're hard, and maybe they've been hard for a very long time. And, um, and sometimes we are tempted to say, if God is with me, if the Bible t- teaches me that, if God is with me, then um, why is this happening? Because I, you know, I, I think God loves me. And would someone who loves me let me go through this the way I'm experiencing life right now? Well, um, you're not alone if you're thinking that because all well, that means is that you're human. And... We tend to see our troubles sometimes as evidence that that something we did was wrong or that God is punishing us or that God is not with us. God's not aware of our situation. Um, we can drift off in that direction. Uh, we're often waiting for God to do something for us, wondering why he doesn't fix this thing, Right? doesn't help us through the power that he has uh, to bring help to our situation. Um, sometimes, though, what we're really doing is we're, we're wondering why God will not do what we want him to do. What we feel we have figured out would be best for us. Right? And, and so we have to, to step back and we have to remember that the scripture is there to teach us and to help us understand things in a, in a more complete way from God's perspective. And uh, so even though we struggle and we continue to ask God, get rid of this problem for me, help me in my situation, um, I think that we need to maybe think of a different way to say it. Maybe we need to say, God, please make me the person who can handle this problem in a way that brings glory to you. Okay? 
different idea. So, just because we encounter difficulty does not mean that God isn't with us. We know and we say it time and time again, God is with us. Now, if you look at chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, The angel of the Lord, and there's much discussion about uh, anytime it says the angel of the Lord, if that is a physical representation of, of Jesus actually coming and visiting planet Earth at that moment. So, uh, you know, is that the Lord himself in human form? I don't know, but it, it's a it's a good thought. That here Jesus, maybe Jesus himself, uh, is appearing. It says an angel, so I don't think it actually is Jesus. But it, nevertheless, it's a it's the Lord's messenger. So he's speaking just as if he were Jesus or God himself, right? So the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, that's pretty cool that someone, you know, representing God or God himself comes to you and he labels you mighty hero. Isn't that cool? I always wanted to be a superhero. Um, I actually don't tell anybody, but I actually was Superboy. Yeah, I made my own own get up. You know, I had a blue shirt and I, and I, I made a S on it with a crayons. And my mom showed me how to, you know, he pressed that into the shirt, you know, with an iron, you know. And then, then I, I made my own cape out of an old old uh, uh, sheet. And um, I, Superboy, I had red galoshes that I put on over my Levi's. And then I had some red, uh, some red uh, gym shorts that I put on over my jeans, you know. So I was sporting it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was Superboy. Matter of fact, I even, I, boy, I hate to tell you this, but I got to. Um, I actually wore my Superboy outfit under my Little League outfit. <laughs> my Little League baseball outfit one, one year. And it was about 105 degrees in the valley, you know. And, and the, I think that, you know, the, the first base umpire, he was kind of looking at me like, what do you got under your shirt there, buddy? You know, I had to tuck my cape in, just make sure that he didn't realize that I, who I really was. But okay, that's a whole other story. Anyway, let's, let's get back, let's get back to the, the Bible here. Okay. So, so mighty hero. So here Gideon, here he sees this information that says, you're a mighty hero. And Gideon is probably happy, but maybe a little confused, right? Is he really a hero? But, the point here is he's a mighty hero because, why? The Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. Now notice how Gideon responds, much like we do. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Right? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to the Midianites. They see we're in the middle of the situation where they abandon their worship of the one true God in favor of worshiping the gods and especially the god Baal, right? And now they're, they're reaping the, the consequences of not worshiping the one true God. And so here Gideon is complaining a little bit. And what's really interesting here is 
When we want God to do something for us in the miraculous arena, right? Wouldn't you, I mean, I've thought that before, that I would love to see a miracle. I mean, a full-on bonafide miracle. Does God snap his fingers and boof? And your baby goes like, whoa, right? Well, the problem with wanting a miracle for yourself is you have to be in a position to need the miracle, right? I mean, there, there's the miraculous of, oh, poof, there's a new car for you. You know, that's one thing. But to actually need the miraculous, you might have to be on death's door to need a miraculous healing, right? So be careful what you wish for. Well, they were in a situation where they really did need the miracle of God, right? Right? Well, here in verse 14, it says, Then the Lord turned to him and he said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, this is just amazing to me. How many times Gideon reflects, you know, he says, nope, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. Now, we know that there are other people in the Bible have done the same thing, right? People are called out by God. God says, I will be with you. Let's go do this. But you're going to be the one to, to do this. And you say, whoa, I don't think so. I, I, I'm not strong enough. I'm not able to do this. And, and you know, God, God keeps on saying to us, don't you get it? I'm with you. You know, I know you're dust. I made you. But I'm with you. And if I'm with you, you can do anything that I call you to do. Why? Because I'm with you. Right? So let's just all say it. God is with me. Say it with me. God is with me. You've got you've to remember that. I have to remember that. God really is with me. Now, that means that whatever the situation we are in currently, God is with with us, right? So we have a situation. We have a problem. We, we, we're, we're working through something, maybe for a long time. Do we realize God is with us? He hasn't left. He knows the, what we've been experiencing. And he has a plan for us. You see, when it comes to serving God, um, the words, I can't, really don't apply ever, right? It's I won't is what we're saying. I refuse to believe that I can do this. But what we're forgetting is that it's not us and our power that are really the issue. God is with us. And if God is with us, and he asks us to do something. He directs us to, to be a certain way with a certain person. 
to be kind to a mean person, to be forgiving to someone who's hurt us, to, to, to be kind even to our enemies or the people that say all kinds of bad things about us. We can do that. Why? Because God is with us. And if God asks us to do that or be a certain way with somebody, then he will give us his power to do that. And because we know that it's his power and only his power that even allows us to be able to think we can do that, who gets the glory? God does. God does. Because it's his power in us and through us that allows us and makes us able to do what he calls us to do. You see, when we think we're really doubting ourselves, who are we really doubting? We're doubting God. And so we need to know that, you know, you don't have to to ever feel like you can't accomplish what God wants you to do or who he wants you to become as a person how he wants you to relate to other people because he has the power and it's his power that actually makes that happen. But our part is being willing to start with just believing. God is with us. He is with us. And he is asking us and telling us that he will be with us. Now, verse 17, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, Show me a sign to prove that it really is the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you, he answered. And and so he answered, I'll stay here until you return. So Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat uh, with a uh, and with a basket of flour. He baked some bread without yeast, then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. And the angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock, and pour out the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff of his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed it all, uh, all that he had brought. Uh, This is a first reference to hot goat chili. All right? Just saying, it kind of fits today, right? Okay, anyway, all right. So it flames up. And uh, and so then Gideon, when he realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cries out, oh, sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. For whatever reason, through this whole process, Gideon is, is wanting a sign, a sign, and the sign turns out to be that, you know, he, he makes this goat dinner and, and then the, the, the angel touches it with his staff and it flames up and whoosh, it's just miraculously gone. And that sign opens Gideon's eyes and he, okay, this is God. Only God can do this, right? And then he's afraid. Because he's heard and he's probably read in the in the uh, in the Old Testament that um, hey, if you see God face to face, you're toast. Okay. Now a few things to remember. One, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. Don't be afraid of God. God wants you to know he he made the effort and made it possible for him to inhabit us. 
to be with us, and we don't have to fear his presence. Okay? I mean, yes, it, it's ultimate power, right? But we don't have to be afraid. And so uh, the angel says, it's all right. The Lord replied, don't be afraid. You will not die. You will not die. And Gideon builds an altar to the Lord there, and he names it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. You see, the message of God saying, I am with you, is intended to bring us peace. It should set our hearts at rest when we know that even though things may be chaotic, they may not be the way we want, because God is with me, it, it, it brings me peace. Because I know that the one who has the power that controls the universe, that he is in control. And so it brings peace. And it says the altar remains in Ophrah. That's not Oprah. That's Ophrah. All right. Okay. In the land of the clan of Albizer to this day. And that night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and build an altar to the Lord your God. Right? He says, but before that, he says, I want you to pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah poles standing beside it. This is significant because Gideon's father and his whole clan were what? They were still worshiping the pagan gods. They had somehow got to that place where they thought that their God was either dead or gone or not paying attention or didn't care about them anymore. And so they started worshiping the pagan gods that promised them certain things, right? Promised them rain, promised them, you know, good crops, promised them all that good stuff. So they were worshiping. And so they were worshiping Baal. And his father had erected this Asherah pole, right? Which, which represented their worship to these foreign pagan gods. And so in order to do what God wants Gideon to do, he says, if you're serious, first thing you have to do before you give a sacrifice of this bull is you have to tear down that altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. And this is fun. Then in verse 26, he says, Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. That's important. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. So he's not just tearing it down. He's using it and he's burning it up. He's getting rid of anything that would represent these foreign pagan gods, he's, they're toast. They're done. He's done with them, okay? He doesn't save it for later. Doesn't set it aside in a closet just in case I might have to go back to this, right? He gets rid of it, destroys it. So Gideon then took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Now, isn't that interesting? Okay, I'm, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to kind of do it in secret because I don't want other people to know that I'm doing this. They might stop me. They might, you know, get upset with me if I really get serious about my commitment to God. Um, I hope that 
hope that we realize that when God is with us, we don't have to be afraid of anybody or anything, including our family, right? I mean, one of the things that we do when we come to faith is we realize that we're going to live a different kind of lifestyle now. And we might have been participating in some things that we shouldn't have in our lives. And we've been doing that maybe with friends and family. And suddenly we figure out what we need to do to get rid of the things that are causing us to be the people that we shouldn't be, right? Remember the, what we read in Second Timothy three sixteen. It, it, the scriptures show us things that we shouldn't be doing and, and what we should be doing for God. And sometimes when we finally get that clue into our head and we realize, okay, I got to make a change and I've got to get rid of a few things in my life, you know, you can do it in secret or you can actually do it in public. And later on, we, we realize that Gideon figures out that, uh, that his family figures it out. <laughs> okay. Because when you change, it's usually pretty visible. Right? You become a different person and people look at you like, how come you're not doing that with us anymore? Well, there were certain friends that I had to not abandon, but I had to make a declarative statement. This is who I am becoming. This is who I'm choosing to do, to be as I follow Jesus. And it doesn't involve that activity for me anymore. I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not in control of you, but I'm in control of me and my choices, and so I choose to do this. And so there's going to be some natural breaks that you have, maybe relationally with certain people groups, right? That's the way it is. And so we, we see here that, uh, that Gideon is actually making a change. But he's hesitant of making the announcement uh, public, right? But there are, there are a couple of other principles here I want to touch on. One is uh, the principle of replacement, Notice here that um, when you eliminate something that is not contributing to you becoming more Christ-like or that's hindering you from actually doing what you feel God calling you to do, you've got to get rid of it. Don't leave it around. Tear it down and set it on fire. <laughs> okay? Because if we, if we think we can still hang on to the things of the past that gave us pleasure, but it was pleasure in sin, um, you need to, you need to cut, make a clean break. Okay? You need to not go there anymore. You need to stop it. Get rid of it. And so many of us, myself, I've done this, you know, you, you hang on to certain things. Maybe it's certain relationships that you feel you can't, you can't lose that anymore, right? But there are certain things that you have to sacrifice if you're going to follow Jesus. When we get that in the New Testament, Jesus says, follow me. If you're not willing to give up, sometimes friends and even family members, in order to be totally committed to God. That's one of the first and most important principles of the Christian faith is that there are certain things that we just say no to, boom, and we have to go to the other direction. Now, a second one, it's very interesting. God asked Gideon to go and get something to sacrifice. 
And, you know, this prize bull is economically pretty important to a family during that period. And so he goes and he gets this. What it's really saying here is that Gideon sacrificed something that of value to him and his family in order to do what God wanted him to do. And I, I so much, Dale, you and your team doing stewardship for our church, and, and this church is a generous church. Thank you, thank you, thank you for, for being so generous and giving to the work of God through Bethany Church. You're doing a great job, right? There's a basic principle in the scripture that says our heart follows our checkbook. Now, those of you who don't know what a checkbook is, um, you know, maybe I should say your heart follows your Apple card. <laughs> okay, you know, um, whatever, whatever way you use money to do it with, you know, to spend, your heart actually will follow that trail of money that you spend. And you, if you buy something expensive, don't you have this like, mm, you kind of lean into that, right? Why? Because you've invested your, yourself, your resources into that thing. And I want you to know that if you really want to, to, to be more committed to God's work in the world and, and whatever, Bethany Church, give a lot. Because when you give a lot... That's where your heart follows. Okay? It's where your heart follows. And, and so it's a basic principle here that God says, hey, you need to, you need to seriously consider the economic investment that you're making into the work of the Lord. Well, here it goes on, verse 28. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken. Yeah, it wasn't there anymore. It had been cut down and, and burned, right? So they, somebody cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Um, it had been cut down. And in the place, a new altar had been built. And on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. And the people said to each other, Who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon. Right? They learned it was Gideon. And Gideon, the son of Joash. And, and, and so they yelled to, to uh, Joash, Bring out your son! The men of the town demanded of Joash, He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. Now something interesting happens here. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Seems like Gideon's dad just made a shift. Right? Made a shift. He says, Will you argue Baal's case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself. That's a good one. Okay? Let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerob Baal, which means let Baal defend himself. <laughs> That's great. Let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. Uh, um, yeah. And so soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan camping in the valley of Jezreel. 
So we keep in mind here that they're, they're under the, the power of the Midianites. They're the ones who have been oppressing them for many, many years now. And, and the Israelites have been crying out back to God saying, Hey, help us, help us, help us. Um, we need deliverance from the Midianites. So then, verse 34, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power, and he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms. And he uh, uh, sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me this way. Now, Gideon is a very interesting character. And I, I think I kind of identify with him because, you know, you want a sign from God and then he gives you a sign. And then you want another sign from God, right? And that, th- this is why God is so gracious. You know, I can just see God going, oh, come on, really? Really? One more sign? But God understands our weakness, right? And so God says, okay. So then Gideon says to God, if you're truly going to use me, uh, do a sign. He says, I'm going to put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. And if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry around it, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. Now, it doesn't seem to put God off. Uh, and verse 38 says, that's what happened. So Gideon wakes up the next morning, the fleece is wet, everything around it's dry, and he goes like, whoa, okay. So you figure that Gideon would say, that's the miracle, I'm ready to rock and roll, right? And uh, so Gideon gets up the next morning, he squeezed the fleece, he wrung it out, uh, and a whole bowl full of water was, was there. And then Gideon says to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece uh, for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry and the ground around it be wet with dew. <laughs> okay. You know, this just tells you how patient God is with us. Right? I mean, just be happy that I'm not God. Okay? Because I wouldn't have that kind of patience. Right? I mean, God has already proved himself... He's, he's done the miracle of, of making the flaming goat chili, right? And then, and then he, he does the, the fleece thing. And, and here he is asking one more time, one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry with the ground around it be, be wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. And the fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Now, basic principle here, uh, it's not a principle. Okay? This is, this is not, uh, okay, God, two out of three, right? Um, I'm going to roll these dice, and if you do this, then that. You, you, that's not the way God really works, okay? He did this for Gideon. For whatever reason, we don't know, to establish his, his power. But I think here is really an interesting basic principle, and that is that we realize through this particular test that Gideon put before God, that God reminded Gideon that God has power over nature. That he can do things that 
really are beyond our thinking or ability to ever do, right? And so God who created everything is able to take and have the dew land on one little spot and everything else be dry or vice versa. You see, we see this in Jesus's resurrection, right? It goes directly against what nature does. People die and they don't come back to life. And yet God has the power, the miraculous power to go against science the way we understand it, the way we figure it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God can do whatever he wants. He has the power to get it done. See, God understands that we need assurance. And the assurance that he gave us finally, and it's here in scripture that teaches us that he has the power to create. He has the power to destroy but he has the power to bring and animate life from death. And he gave us the, the one and the best and the most amazing example through Jesus. Jesus was crucified. He was dead. And God brought him back to life. And Jesus says, that's what I'm going to provide for each one of you. I've always wondered, you know, you start thinking uh, about your own death and you wonder, you know, okay, so so uh, um, how am I going to be raised back to life? It's a good thought. I don't know how I'm going to die. I can get eaten by a bear, you know. Um, little bits of me all over the forest, you know. I mean, how do I... God has the miraculous power to bring you back together. Every little molecule, every thought, every memory, you will be resurrected just like Jesus. Be brought back to life and have eternal life with God. You know why? Because God is with you. He's with you through life through death, through resurrection, he is with you. So, so you're going through a hard time. Pretty scary time, maybe. You know what? God is with you. Um, are there some idols that you've kind of put before God? Some things that you highly prize and value and are keeping you from being the person that God calls you to be or to be the generous person with your resources that God calls you to be. God has the power because he's with you, he's in you to help you do whatever he's calling you to do, whoever he's calling you to be. Uh, If you're at that spot where you're making that decision again today to realize God is with me, I can do this with his strength, with his power, you might make a declarative state, statement to your family or your friends today. You know what? Today's the day. 
I'm getting rid of this. I'm making this sacrifice. I'm, gonna, I'm on a new path. I know that I can do this because God is with me. And then you just invite somebody to say, are you with us? Are you with God? We can do this together. And the beautiful thing about Gideon here is he finally came around, finally came around after all of the doubts. God was faithful. And what did Gideon do? He sent out the message. He blew the horn. And he said, are you with me, people? And you know what? Everybody responded. You might be surprised how many people would love to come alongside you and to work with you. And that's what the church is really about. It's a family that works together to become together more like Jesus and, and, and to have that Jesus witness in the world because we are doing things that God is calling us to do that people don't think we can get done. But we know we can because why? Because God is with us, all right? So, so we're going we're gonna to sing a song, praise God a little bit more. We're going to eat some chili. Um, fortunately, they're all labeled mild to flaming hot. You're going to die, okay? But don't worry, you're not going to die, okay? You're not going to die. Uh, so let's pray and just thank God that he is with us, all right? God, thank you so much that you reminded us one more time and we forgive us, Lord, for our doubts, our fears, our anxieties when we don't just realize and say it out loud. God, thank you that you are with me. Thank you that you are with us. So God, thank you that we can be encouraged together today through your word. Thank you that we can have opportunity to praise you. And thank you that we have this food to eat together. Uh, we are so blessed, God. So we bless you for blessing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.